Ladies and gentlemen, no matter what Nicholas says tonight during our review of The Killer, I will resist empathy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Of course, Gerald is here with you. And my calculated assassin over on the other side, Nicholas. How are you, my man? How do you know they're listening in the evening? Are you going to release this show at evening time? All of our listeners only listen when it's dark outside. Only, I don't know, it's only a, when it's, it's a weird. Okay. It's a weird thing. I don't know why nobody listens in the daytime. It's a so. shame thing. It's a shit. They they don't want anybody <laughs> to like anybody to know. They're kind of like hiding in a in a dark yeah. corner of like their bedroom or something like that. And they're like exactly right, yeah. Right. yeah There's yeah, too much right. of a risk that somebody might hear them listening to it if it's during the day. So yeah, I mean yeah. I don't know. You know whatever. It's true. It's true. But nevertheless, how are you? So uh, we took last week off, which was. Uh, a bummer, but I know we just, I mean, dude, we have so much going on. Killers of the Flower Moon is three and a half hours, which I did see, by the way. You know you know what the problem is? It's it's Martin Scorsese wants me to watch a three and a half oh, hour God. movie in a, in a theater where they're going to show me, we calculated it during Five Nights at Freddy's. It was a half yeah. an hour worth of trailers and commercials. At That's least. not including my drive time to the theater, which admittedly is like five minutes. Like it does, my theater is not far away. But even yeah. so, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a busy man. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm very, very sorry. No, I do not have time. Uh, I did not have time last week to get Killers of the Flower Moon in. I've been so busy. I've been working overtime on top of work, and that's not even on top of all the other stuff I got going on. So don't be sorry, buddy. I did miss <sighs> you. I did miss you, and I went to see the movie, and I, I did throw up a review on my YouTube channel. I'll put a tag up here somewhere during this timestamp to. Uh, Point everybody to that as a quick five-minute review, but I thought it was a really, really good film, just so you know. like It was really well-constructed. The acting was top-tier. Lily Gladstone blew me away as in the lead actress role, but, I mean, you know what I'm going to say. It's way too long. It's it's too long, yeah. I could have I could have told you that was going to be your review before you even went to see it. I mean, I would be awestruck if I met Marty in person, but I feel like the first thing I would ask him would be like, you couldn't cut 30 minutes from that? <laughs> like... I mean, come on, man. I wouldn't do that. I would. It's because he can go drop unrestrained to the now. ground can, and bow down him. He's got carte blanche. Like, he can do what he wants. He can go to these streamers yeah. and he can just be like, hey, I want to release a three and a half hour movie or a four hour movie or whatever he wants to do. And they're, and they're going to be like, well, it's Martin Scorsese. Of course, we're going to say yes. Yeah, no doubt. And I don't blame him for doing that, yeah. actually, because, I mean, he's the goat. Let's be honest. Speaking of goats, we're talking about David Fincher tonight in his new film, The Killer. But before we get there, Nick, and before we give our review on the movie, we like to start every episode out with what we call one big question. You've got to ask yourself a question. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? How fucking dare you, sir? Wow. How dare you wear that tank top and tempt me? Uh, I'm glad there's a desk here. (laughs) (laughs) My God. (laughs) All right, man. Uh, who wants to go first? I got a weird one for you. Can I go? Oh, good. All right. So this is not a spoiler um, necessarily, but there's a point in the movie when we find out that Fassbender's character in The Killer has all these different storage facilities around the country, all these storage units, if you will. Yeah. So my kind of strange one big question to you is, if you could tomorrow have a storage unit in a specific location, mm-hmm. like a specific city, I mean, yeah, like a, just a famous city or a place that you love or whatever, mm-hmm. where would you have it? And the reason you it would be there is because it would be a storage unit for like stuff from that city. So it would almost be like a museum of wherever it's located, if that make, kind of makes sense what I'm saying. So... I have a storage unit in, say, Fort Lauderdale, and it's filled with all of my Fort Lauderdale memorabilia. Your Florida stuff, but yeah. Okay, I, I I don't have an answer to that question. I've been nowhere in my life, Gerald. I've literally gone nowhere. I don't have a place that's memorable enough to me that I'd be like, oh my God, I wish I had a storage unit there filled with that. stuff from there. I, I honestly, God, I've never been anywhere that I'd want to have like 
a storage unit full of memorabilia let me, from. Let me give you mine, and then you tell, and then you tell me if you kind of get where I'm going here. So mine okay. would be kind of easy, but it would be like L.A. or Hollywood. Okay. okay. And it would be, I mean, I got all my Blu-rays. I got literally anything that has to do with movies. Really, I mean, you could put in a Hollywood storage unit. I mean, it doesn't have to. You know what I'm saying? So I have so much shit as a movie lover already. <laughs> to be honest, posters, Blu-rays, whatever. But I mean. That would be my answer. Like, if I could have a storage unit in L.A. and everything in that storage unit would kind of remind me of Hollywood. So the spirit of your question is you're incredibly generalizing everything. Uh, sure. I've got I've got movies in my Hollywood storage unit. Uh, my answer is still I I don't have I'm not a materialistic person. I own nothing. That's true. I own like no physical items of any kind. There is no place in the whole world that I'd want to have a storage unit or there's no storage unit I'd want to have that would have themed memorabilia of any right. place. Well, in I it. gave it a shot. I don't own. I, I don't have. I don't I own gave it a shot. All right. My firm belief about storage units, if you own, if you have a storage unit, I mean, like the character in this movie aside, we'll get into why he has storage units and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. Um, it, my firm belief is if you own a storage unit, then you just need to sell stuff and pare down your yeah. life. You, you have can't too take much it stuff. with you. You have too much stuff. Sell it. Have a yard sale. Get rid of it. It's all your old, like grandma's old furniture from whenever. Like, just get rid of it. Pare uh, down your life. gives me stress. Like, I no. get what you're saying, and I agree with you. But I guess in the spirit of the question, it was a roundabout way for me to kind of ask you, like, what city do you admire? Kind of in a weird roundabout way connected I to the killer don't know that i have an answer to that question okay well, that's fair because i i don't know again that i've been to enough places to be like oh my god i love this place's vibe or i'd really love to be here visit this place right. or whatever i've i've been nowhere in my life gerald i've done nothing all right uh thanks for participating as as in one is. big Can, question <laughs> we just leave like dan just edit in a minute of silence here and just like let everyone just contemplate how sad and pathetic my life has been just just stick that right in there All right. Well, uh, maybe I'll be able to come up with something for yours. Then, what do you have for your, what do you have for me? All right. Well, inspired by inspired by what you just mentioned there, you said that Fincher. You know, speaking of the go in terms of directors, you 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 mentioned Fincher's name in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I disagree vehemently, by the way. But that's mm -hmm. a discussion we'll get into as we get forward in the episode here. Mm -hmm. Who is who is? Let's say let's say like Mount Rushmore for four directors, four goat directors that you would put on, on your, on your Mount Rushmore. Who's on there, G I'm putting you on the spot Four directors in no order. It doesn't have to be in a specific. Yeah. Order. This is in no particular order. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, this is my personal Mount Rushmore, right? Like yeah, you're me personal. personally. Yeah. You're personal. I mean, Fitcher's on mine. Don't get into this nonsense of like the best versus my favorite. It's obviously meant to be biased to you. All right. I'm just making sure. My I hate it when people qualify like, oh, this is just my opinion. I know it is. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm in gonna a mood pre today. I'm going to preface this by saying, in my opinion. I'm just kidding. God. <laughs> All right. Well, Fincher's on mine. Absolutely. He's my, he is in my top two filmmakers of period of all time. Mm -hmm. All right, so he's on there. Uh, Tarantino's on there for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I mean, molded me basically into a movie fan. Uh, my year graduating high school and into college was like pure Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. Like, so Tarantino's on there. I think we got to put Marty on there. We've already talked about him a couple times tonight, even. But I mean, Marty Scorsese okay. is on there for me. And the fourth one is interesting. Um, Man, John Carpenter, I think, is probably wow. my fourth one. Yeah, he's just done. I know you're not necessarily the biggest fan, but he's done some movies that uh, he's done. He's done two good movies, Gerald. That's not right at all. <laughs> two um, good movies. But uh, yeah, I at mean, least of the ones I've seen, that is, you know, this is off the top of my head, guys. So I apologize. I'm probably going to listen to this back and be like, oh, I forgot to say whatever. But yeah. Carpenter, Fincher, Scorsese, Tarantino. Bombard him on social media for not including your favorite among that yeah. list. Uh, please, it. please get in there with him. Uh, I'll give you mine really quickly. So Orson Welles, mm -hmm. 
I'll also put Tarantino uh, in there with mine. Yeah, Cameron, no love for no love for no love for Jimmy C. That's a good one. He would be top ten for sure. All right, and I'm going to say Alexander Payne. Okay. Which, by the way, bummer, huh? Did you get my text? Uh, I did. I did. I did get your text. How is it not? It's playing here. I could go watch it now. I know it's crazy. It's it's playing in a theater about an hour away from me, and I, I I'm not going to be able to do it. I can already tell you. At least not before next Sunday. If you want to push no. it and do it, maybe the week after or something. Wow. But yeah, I just I can't believe it's not playing anywhere near me. It's not even playing at my Alamo. Let me very hypocritically judge you for not taking the time to. <laughs> Go see a movie that's going to take up so much of your time. I am very excited um, to see the holdovers, and I think, uh, man, I wish we could cover it on the show. I just it's not playing here. It's crazy. We could still listen. We could we we could still do a review of it whenever we want. Yeah, like maybe we gotta yeah. wait for it to hit streaming or whatever. I am gonna go. Like I know it's playing at the art theater here. I don't know if it's playing at the Regal here. Probably not. But I'm gonna definitely go see it because I I love Alexander Payne. Uh, Me downsizing, too. notwithstanding, downsizing was god awful uh just horrible it's not even playing at my alamo which is even a 35 40 minute drive for me but i go there all the time because they do a lot of indie stuff that the amc here won't get maybe it'll go a little wider uh this week or something like that who knows yeah we'll we'll uh we'll check what we're talking about guys and what we're brainstorming me is that we're probably gonna we're definitely gonna spin the wheel at the end of this episode we're gonna get a movie from the patrons or from nick and myself But if the holdovers is not available for me to see, which it doesn't look like it will be, then we will review whatever movie we land on at the end of the episode. So stick around for that or fast forward to that if you want to. All right. So, Nick, thank you for one big question. I am getting my score out here for the killer. Oh, boy. I better do that, too. The new David Fincher. And that's right. We, we have to rate. We have to rate this movie. We uh, we start every movie review on every episode by giving our rating personally out of 10. We have not discussed it with each other. It's something we call the early score reveal. Damn it! This always happens. I think I'm going to score, and then I never score. It's not fair. It's not fair. Here we go. Three, Three two, two, one. one. Nine, Five. Nine? Ten. Nine! A fucking amazing wow. cinematic work. Nine out of ten. Get the fuck out of here. Hold on. Let me kick Nick off this call. Five. If anybody out there loves the killer, tune in right now. You can take Nick's spot on the episode. (laughs) So a five from Nick and a nine from me. Is a qualified Dan Brennick copyright. It's fine. Is a seven out of ten cumulatively, which kind of hurts me a little bit. But. Nick, I love this thing, man. Do you want me to go first, or do you want? To I need, start? I need to know a nine. I thought maybe I was like, I know he's going to swing harder for this than yeah. I am. I knew you were going to go for this a lot harder than I was, Look, but nine, nine yeah. is a big swing, my dude. I'm going to, I'm going to defend this thing for the next thirty minutes or whatever. I'm just going to tell you. So I'll go first. Spoiler free thoughts, by the way, guys. For the next few minutes, we will be spoiler free, and we'll let you know when we get into spoilers for the killer. So, am I biased? Yes. I absolutely Mm -hmm. am biased. I did a YouTube video back in late December, early January with my most anticipated movies of the year. And this was my number one Mm -hmm. most anticipated film. Uh, I was just talking about my local Alamo. That's about 35 minutes away. I drove there to see this when it came out because it was limited release. So you did get to see this on the big screen then? I did. Yeah, it was the only only place playing in a reasonable distance. And then I watched it again this morning, actually, on Netflix as well, because it just released on Netflix yesterday. So I am biased. I'm going to go ahead and admit that up front. I get it. You know, I hated Mank. I mean, hate might be a strong word, but I just wasn't into Mank. I didn't really, I just never got into the story. And I know you're even an Orson Welles guy, and you even had a tough time with it when that came out I no i didn't have a tough time that. with it i vehemently hated it because <clears> it's it's based on uh, something that was debunked in the 70s when they tried to say that orson Welles wasn't like as mm-hmm. like responsible for C- citizen kane's success as herman mankovich was and then mm-hmm. fincher decides to drum it up because he's pauline kill 2.0 like as beautiful as that movie was as good as oldman was in that movie right like, that movie was really well shot there was a lot of great aspects to it but like ultimately it was like this has already been debunked once. Like you can't just circle the wagons back around and try to do the whole thing again. Like right. film scholars already were like, n- n- no, stop. 
<laughs> well, the reason I mentioned Mank is because that kind of plays in a little bit to my love for the killer as well, because this is obviously his follow-up to Mank. And yeah, yeah. I, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I just didn't like it. In fact, I probably would have given Mank like a 5 out of 10, which is what you're giving this Generous. Movie. So I – okay. What's and talk about the man? killer and talk about the killer specifically, not necessarily just Fincher as a filmmaker. This was such a precise, methodical, like uh strict movie. I don't even want to say thriller because I feel like this was so you know how you have movies that are like character studies where they focus on, you know, the main characters or whatever. This movie was like a character study, but it was focused on the art if you will or the act of him being an assassin Mm -hmm. and i i was just really impressed with how this movie took that kind of normal story that we've gotten a hundred times in hollywood you know a hit goes wrong and you know the guy that was on the other end of the trigger has to you know figure out how he can fix his mistake and like i mean we've seen that in any number of ways whether it's through a comedy or an action or whatever But what this movie did that was different is that it was like more about the act of him kind of going through this life as an assassin. And it didn't necessarily bother us with the details of that intimate character piece that we would get a lot of times in these types of movies. It it wasn't so much about Fassbender's character as it was about what he is doing and why he's doing it. And I thought that was just such a courageous angle to take with a pretty basic story. Like, I mean, there's some great scenes in this movie that are pretty formulaic. You know, when he meets the brute in Florida and they end up having that big fight. And that was an awesome scene, I felt like. Best scene in the movie, by far. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the really kind of like down-to-earth, like, conversation he has with Tilda Swinton towards the end of the movie. I thought that was an awesome scene, too, in the restaurant there. But, I mean... For the most part, Fincher really tries to put you in the mind and the headspace and the steps, you know, in the shoes of this guy. And I, he did it, man. Like, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, now, I did see in the theater. I was immersed. Like, I was really, really bought in. But, I mean, I was hooked, man. Like, immediately. Like, when Fassbender's character is kind of, like, giving us what he's thinking because there's very little dialogue by the way in this movie too do you realize that like fassbender mm-hmm. speaks hardly no lines in this movie aside from uh the narration pieces yep and it was just an interesting approach i, I don't know i i'm i'm super biased because i love fincher i love fassbender i think that this is uh it's, it's written by andrew kevin walker who also wrote seven which is one of my favorite movies of all time it's also my favorite Fincher film. So they have the two of them reunited. You have Reznor Ross on the score, which I thought was phenomenal in this movie. Uh, it might possibly be their lone Oscar chances this year for best score as well. So, yeah, man, this hit for me big time. The only reason I didn't give it a 10 out of 10 is because the ending kind of, I wanted something a little bit different for the ending, like the last like few minutes. I was what I we'll talk about it when we, did, when but, we uh, uh, get into spoilers and stuff. But, but aside from that, I mean, I freaking loved it. Obviously. So, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's there's some perspective shifts that this film does early on, which I was really hoping was going to give us more uh, of this because in the first act, basically, uh, in the first act, it kind of gives us this this perspective switch where like he has this thing where he puts in headphones and listens to music, and that's how he gets into the assassin rhythm or whatever. And then it kind of keeps cutting to his perspective. We're seeing through his eyes and then we hear the music. And like, if you better be a Smiths fan, if you're, if you watch this movie, because like Mm. literally the whole movie is just nothing but the Smiths. Okay. I loved it. But you're like, and then it'll cut to like an exterior shot of like a, you know, a, a third person shot looking at him or like of him doing something in the room or then whatever else. But then it cuts to more of that first person kind of stuff. And mm. like, that's all at the very beginning of the movie. And I really, really actually liked that. I thought that was really, really phenomenal to kind of give us that first person perspective of what he's going through and Mm -hmm. and everything but the film doesn't stick with that you don't get any more of that after that beginning sequence am i wrong like i feel like the film did that we spent like he makes a very specific comment about opening 
the boredom of his his job and like the tedium of it and like all these different kinds of things and i like that that scene kind of played a little bit with that expectation of something like it's more about like the anticipation of that moment of the kill i thought like once he actually had to switch into like once he realized like the target was there and had to actually like get ready to to take the shot and like do all that stuff like i thought the tension there was really really well executed first mm-hmm. act of this like the beginning of it i was all in like i was all like yeah like let us have those perspective shifts where we're in his head seeing things through his eyes but the film kind of ditches that as it goes like as it goes now i'm going to agree with you on one part like you said that this was not like your typical kind of thriller your typical kind of thriller would give you you'd get to see like you'd get to see it it would cut to a scene of the bad guys being like oh my god this assassin guy is ripping his way through everybody and like what are we going to do to stop him like blah 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 think about like john wick like john wick has those Mm -hmm. types of scenes where Mm -hmm. it cuts to like the bad guys who are like john wick's shooting everybody what do we do Mm -hmm. send more guys at him and they all die too (laughs) and then you know like it's, it's it's not that kind of thriller it literally just follows him and 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 his and his um his his attempts to kind of get away and and his attempts to kind of clean up after this shot mm-hmm. and everything like everything that everything that happens it's just like after the shot like after that and like there was even some good tension in like that initial like him on like that little moped like trying to like you know get to where he's un- going to be unseen sure. and everything like all that like that i thought was good but after that aside from that brawl in the floridian's house which was again best scene in the movie is phenomenal it, it was just it was it was quote dan brennick it was copyright dan brennick fine it was just <laughs> it was it was just a movie that happened to me and i watched all it. right well, thank you for copywriting Dan for sure, because I don't want to get sued on this. Wait, episode, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want any of that. I don't want to bring down any of that heat. Let's while we kind of dissect what our initial thoughts there were. Let's go ahead and peel back the spoiler wall, uh, Nick. So going forward, guys, if you have not seen the killer, then there will be spoilers for the rest of the discu- this discussion. So just be aware of that, Nick. I it's not even that I necessarily disagree with you, but I think I just liked it more than you did it didn't bother me it sounded like it bothered you i do agree that there was a tone it didn't shift bother me at, it, it was it was it was fine it was just yeah i was well i mean you brought your score down i mean i think it, here's here's the thing i think maybe you can even make the argument here this is going to be a wild take for me so so to strap yourself in uh-huh. this killer is very very straight laced okay this killer is very very like silent and like talks about like the boredom of his thing and like and like all this different stuff and like how he as a person as a character like there's no emotion he doesn't react to anything he has no politics he has no xyz he has no like he's so good at what he does because he does not care he is not invested maybe fincher did such a good job of selling the lack of investment and attachment of this character that it subsequently detached and uninvested me from the movie because i mean like i i wanted to be right there like i wanted to be right there after that opening like after the whole setup of the shot like just kind of the anticipation because you're like He's an assassin and he's just waiting for his target to show up. And you know, that's what's happening. And you're just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then boom, finally that moment comes. And like I said, I love the tension in that scene. He has to hastily put together the rifle while the target gets up in the apartment over there. And then he, boom, he lines up and then takes the shot and Oh, misses. It's like, Whoa, it's like, well, like that whole, like the whole lead up, the whole execution of that open is great. I just think the film I, I just think it completely skids to a halt, like from that point forward, pretty much. All right. Well, let me just throw this at you then, because okay. again, it's like I said, it's not like I'm necessarily disagreeing with you because I do think there was a huge tonal shift from that initial act, the, the first act, really, that first chapter, because he even labels these as chapters too throughout the movie. I think there's, yep, yep he does. Yep. I think there's six of them. Five six, or six, I think. Yeah. Yeah, six. But after that first chapter, there is a tonal shift. I agree with you. What I think, though, or what I thought about after, because I had that thought as well, was that in that first o- in that opening, 
we're seeing the methodical nature of him as an assassin, right? And mm-hmm. it's not about him as a person at all. It doesn't matter who that who's in who who is talking right now. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about the act of what he does, okay? And he's not necessarily in the narration or whatever, but the screenplay is not trying to connect us to that person. No. It's just showing us what he does and the you know when he feels bored and why he feels bored and uh, his heart rate and stuff that when it goes up in certain situations, obviously, and how calculated and calm he can be when he's literally about to shoot somebody in the face. And we get all that. And then, like you said, it comes to a pretty cool climax. But I think that the reason when I was reflecting on it, that we need that tonal shift after that first act is because when he gets back to his house after, you know, he leaves the miss the missed hit or whatever, it becomes personal to him. So the rest mm-hmm. of the movie is a personal journey for him because in a way it turns into a revenge film because he's trying to get the people that hurt his lover, which they don't really even tell us, but I'm assuming that's his wife or girlfriend or whatever in the movie. Uh, somebody obviously he cares about. And because of what happened to her and what they did to his home, his expertise that we saw in that first act is now shifted into a it's shifted through a personal view now, right? So it's not about just the job of being an assassin right now or for the rest of the movie. It's about him using those skills to seek revenge on the people that wronged him. Yeah. So I think that the tonal shift was almost necessary because otherwise we're not going to care in the least, right? Because it's just going to be this nameless, faceless dude that's killing people. Does that make sense what I'm kind of saying there? I mean, it kind of does. And and, I mean, the thing that I think really doesn't work for me in in the aspect of this film is you have, like I said, you have those great moments kind of in that opening when he's setting up for the shot and doing all these things where it's shifting into like a first person perspective for him. Like we're actually Mm -hmm. like it literally puts you between his ears, like the music comes up as if we're sitting those i would have appreciated if they would have carried that thing through the whole movie because there's clearly like he's trying he's he's narrating to us as he's doing these things he's giving us like his assassin code or whatever like mm-hmm. you know like anticipate don't improvise like right you know he's stick to the plan like mantra. all these different yeah. things like when he's he's very clearly it's very much an antithesis of what he's going through there like it's very much like yes he is working out a plan to do this but like it's none of this is none of this is a thing that he had set in motion before it these are all reactions that he has had to do based on this missed shot and based on like you know the people attacking his home like these are all reactions he's had to have so like i would have appreciated like i would have really liked like dive into the psychology of this character board this is fincher if anybody's going to dive into the psychology of a character you would expect fincher to do it fincher really doesn't seem interested in it here which kind of surprises me and like like i would have liked especially in those sequences where you know he's obviously he's a stone cold assassin like obviously he's doing all these different things and trying to convince us the audience but like i would have loved like that in between the ears like like go back into like just into his perspective like and have a little bit of panic and have a little bit of frustration and have a little bit of there was a couple of times there was whatever. a couple of times remember when he was waiting outside the floridian's home and he was behind the car uh, and he was waiting for the dog to fall asleep or whatever. I mean, there there was a couple scenes here and there where it kind of did what you're saying. I think Fincher and Walker, the screenwriter, purposefully had the break after the miss shot. I think it was supposed to be a different focal point for us as a viewer, I feel like. Because it became a personal journey for him after that point. Yeah. But up until that point, it was more about him taking out the target and being an assassin, which I love the first act. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's I, not even really about him. It's because he, we don't even learn his name in the movie. Like he's just an no. assassin. Like it's more about the ex, him executing his skills. And then when he's thrust into a scenario in which 
he can't just rely like he can't it's not like a planned hit where he's sitting and being patient right and sure waiting yeah. for things to happen and he's got to kind of shift into a complete other mode like how does he handle that i don't know like i just i, I wish there was i i wish there was more more la- and maybe and, and maybe there were for other people but not for me like i wish there were more layers in there that that would have like helped me stay invested in his journey because it's not like there's not really well-made scenes here like i mean we got to talk more about the brawl at the brutes house like in florida like like that scene is like i love how darkly lit it is like Mm -hmm. it's really atmospheric like it's really scary in a way like the way that fincher decides to shoot it because like you just you don't know what's going on like you kind of can make out what's going on like you can see like you know like different things but it's a it's a brutal 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 fight uh really really effective like really really amazing and like that kind of reinvigorated me a little bit because that was the first time it was like oh maybe they're gonna put him back on his heels or something like that like a little bit or something or like whatever Mm -hmm. but like that's like I, I don't I don't know if the, did the film I don't know I don't, I'm not even saying that the film needed more of that kind of level of brutality like fight scene sort of thing I, I don't even think it necessarily did because each of these situations requires a different tact uh, or about, a different tactic um, as as far as like he his character goes right like the, it all requires a different a different approach from him I echo what you're saying about the the fight in the in the floor Floridian's home I thought that was Mm, aside from the Tilda Swinton scene, but that was obviously a much more like dialogue driven scene really by her, uh, to be honest. I mean, 100% she was ph- by her. He has like two lines of dialogue in that whole exchange. I think she was phenomenal in this and she was only in one scene, but she was so good, man. Um, so convincing. And while she's trying to connect to him really in an effort to save her life, I mean, let's be honest. I don't even think she's trying to save her life. I disagree. I don't I don't think she's trying to save her life at all. I think she I think she knows enough about what kind of person he is to know yeah. that no matter what she says or does, she's going to die. Right. But the only reason I say that is cuz at the end when it's revealed that she has a knife in her hand that she was going to try to stab him with. Of so course I think she was. She, yeah. But I think in other words, I think she thought or at least had a lingering thought the whole time that she was in his presence that maybe I'll get out of this. And I thought that because I oh, saw yeah, the knife that. at the end. You yeah, know? I, I think, I think she definitely, I think she definitely like had an idea that she was going to escape or be able to get out of it through whatever means. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think she was trying to talk her way out of it though necessarily. No, 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 no. I didn't. I don't think that either. But I thought that she always kind of had an inkling like this could go fifty fifty. You know, like I thought her character kind of thought that, and I think that she was maybe naive in that respect. Well, yeah, because but, she expects this character to have emotion and, and to have empathy. Right. But we, of course, as an audience, like it didn't come as right. a surprise to me because we as an audience, especially by that point, had come to expect him. Like, I mean, you have the scene in like the boss, like or the lawyer's office or like yeah. the taxi, the taxi driver where he just like straight up just like plugs the kid Kills the dude. driving yeah. the taxi and like. You know, I mean, he, well, he does have the one moment of empathy where he, you know, breaks the lady's neck and pushes her down the stairs. So that way she can still she can still right. collect the life insurance like she doesn't just completely disappear like the like the lawyer does. Uh, like like right. the like the brutality, like how great is just like the straight up like stone cold shot of like blowing the guy's brains out, like the Floridian's brains out in the toilet yeah. and whatever. Just doesn't care, we already man. know from that point, like all these different things, like he approaches all these scenarios with no empathy, no emotion. We know he's going to kill her. Like yeah. we know that that's his plan. Like all we along, know she's which done. Yeah. Segue then. Cause I want to talk about the ending too. Cause you expressed maybe that you had hoped that the ending would go another way. Talk about it. Well, I don't really know how I would, would want it to go or what I could write it to be but i wasn't a huge fan of like them you know riding off into the sunset at the end you know and just kind of the the last few minutes where they were in paradise or whatever and it was him and his girl that that was just his house (laughs) hospital before well yeah but you know what i mean like riding off into the sunset i guess i would have liked the ambiguity there in terms of like is he okay now? Is he going to live a life or whatever? Or is he going to go back to being an assassin? Like we, in other words, Fincher kind of paints a picture like he's retired and he's going to, cause you know, they mentioned it a couple of times in the movie. Like the best thing for you to do is just leave and go live your new life. Like you have enough money. 
you know, you've done enough things. You don't need to keep yeah, risking yeah, yeah. it all or whatever, you know? So they kind of were uh, foreshadowing that for us. And then it ended up happening. So, I mean, I guess I'm saying I'm kind of happy <laughs> for the character, but in terms of it from a plot beat in the movie, I didn't necessarily like visually like, Oh, you know, they're sitting out here on the, on the back porch watching the waves crash or whatever. And that's the end mm-hmm. of the movie. And I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. What did you think about him sparing the client at the end? Were you okay with that? Or did you think he should kill that dude? I didn't dislike it. And on, okay. on, on reflection after watching the movie, I don't dislike it even more. Like, I mean, for all of, for all the things, and that's why it bookends it with that, with him bringing it back to that whole, like one of the many, one of the few kind of thing, like that he does at the beginning of the film that he talks about at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And he kind of almost sets it up like at the beginning of the film, like he's one of the few or whatever. Um, but he's not, he's one of the many. And I think like, no, no matter what, like being the character that he is in the world that he's in, like, think about it this way. He's almost like an anti John Wick. Like he knows, like, th- what is it in John Wick Two? like John Wick kills like the member of the high table or whatever and mm-hmm. brings all that heat down on him. Like, mm-hmm. this is like the anti John Wick. Like this character is like, that's too much heat for me to bring down. If I plug this guy, I'm never going to be able to have anything i'm gonna be i'm gonna be on the run forever like whatever like don't upset the status quo like whatever like taking out everybody else like everybody else is just like low-level people like they're they're all replaceable in one way or another like blah 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 like but Mm -hmm. you can't take out this because this dude's so rich and this dude's so powerful like he goes missing and it's gonna like completely like upset the order and like he's gonna be haunted for the rest of his life Yeah, yeah. yeah So I don't, from that perspective, as as like a pure purely survival instinct from that character, I think I like it. I, I don't think I dislike it from, I agree. from that perspective. I agree. At first, I was like, hmm, man, this, they leaned a little too hard into him, like with the no empathy thing, and then he just let this guy live. It but seems, it feels shocking at first, right? It yeah. feels like, whoa, whoa, you're not going to, you're not going to just gonna straight up this blow this dude? guy's brains yeah. out? Like, yeah. yeah, but you're right. But then when you reflect on it, you're like, well, he kind of had to do that. And also I took it as he kind of believed the guy too in terms of the lawyer was really a bad guy and like he didn't know what the lawyer was doing or like, you know, whatever. So I I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was one of those breaks in logic for me as a viewer where I was like, well, he's been saying no empathy and like, you know, I mean, he's been blowing everybody's brains out like at yeah, the yeah, instant, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, why is he leaving this dude that, but then like you said, when you reflect on it, it's like, he's not going to be able to retire and live a happy life. If he's always having to worry about who's over his shoulder for this one yeah. kill that he did that, you know, wasn't sanctioned or whatever. So I agree with you. Uh, before we wrap up, Nick, how do you feel about, the performances here. It comes up in the comment section later from the fans, but Michael Fassbender has always been one of my faves. Um, I, I really like him. I think he has this really cool thing as an actor where he can do comedy, he can do drama. And in this case, he's playing kind of a scary assassin that, I mean, we talked about that scene in the, in the brutes home. I mean, I was all in, I was like, yeah, I believed every second of his, of his character. How did you feel about the performances in this movie? Yeah, I mean, Fastbender's great. I mean, the, yeah. the, I I can't take that away from him. He's he's phenomenal. He really, really is. And I mean, he like he he sells that he is you know this stone cold assassin who has these skills. And like he says very early on in the movie, like consider yourself lucky if yeah you don't ever cross paths path. with me. Yeah, you know, like that. Like I I really really love that. Like, and I think Fastbender embodies it. Like perfectly i really think i mean fastbender fastbender is fantastic like i I, if we get to it in the if we get to it in the in the comments section like i really love you know like a lot of his performances i can't wait to i can't wait to talk about it but yeah uh yeah i mean he's great i mean i don't really think anybody else is really in the film enough to like be like oh my god this performance really stood out this performance stood out you mentioned you mentioned tilda swinton tilda swinton was great in her part but you know, there's no other, there's no other character in this movie. It's all him. Yeah, it, it's, 100% it's all him. him. It's all, and frankly, it's all Fincher. And the, I mean, the filmmaking here, you know, I, I know you're giving it a lower score than I am, but I mean, the filmmaking here is like fucking stellar, dude. I mean, like we're talking the cinematography, the production design. 
Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's Fincher. All it's like you expect perfection. Tier. You expect yeah. perfect, like even Mank, which, which again, like neither one of us liked, like even Mank was, it was, it was incredibly well-made, yeah, incredibly well-made. It's just, I, th- I think where Fincher, where, where Fincher loses himself too often is in, in, in these meandering kind of stories that just, I feel like anyway, just don't have the weight that I hope or expect them to. How you know? dare you, sir? How dare you? Wow. What if Fincher listens to this? Uh, David, I love you, and I think you're one of the greats. So, uh, I, I I do not. Even even though he did direct, <laughs> like I said, The Social Network was still my favorite movie of yeah. last decade. Like, I that, that movie's a masterpiece. Like, Fincher's done, like, Seven, Fight Club. You know, I mean, he's done some really, really amazing stuff. Like, he, he really, really has. But he's also made some movies that I think are bafflingly bad. And this one's middling for me. This is my, let me think for a second. So seven is my all-time favorite. And then it's the social network, Fight Club. And then this one's probably honestly tied with like Gone Girl. I mean, this is top five Fincher for me, the killer. Mm. I absolutely love this. I love his, I love him turning this kind of revenge story, assassin story kind of on its head and giving us a different perspective to this kind of played out story. I really, really liked it. Like, it would have been easy to turn this into a John Wick clone, and I'm I'm grateful yeah, oh, yeah. it didn't go in that yeah, direction. Sure, I really yeah. am. Yeah, for sure. I I just think it needed more. I think it needed more meat. Or like, if you're gonna make me spend the entire movie and like take stride for stride with this character, like I've talked about it before on the show. I'm a very character driven person. So yeah, I know. If and a this movie is not that. Yeah, this movie's not that. And if if a movie's not going to be that, it's not like I don't like movies that aren't character driven because I I can really really love them, but they have to be. They have to be something special, and I, 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 like I said, this is it's just this is fine. It's a movie that happened to me, uh, and that's right. and that's well, the best thing I can say about it. It's I fine. disagree. It sits in my top ten of the year as we're sitting wow. here currently, and Jeez. I don't know how I don't know how that'll shake out the last. Have couple I seen months ten of... movies this year? Well, it's better than uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Like it'll definitely. <laughs> It's not going to end up on the on on the on the list with Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh wow! Well, that's David Fincher. You're doing something right. You you beat out Five Nights at Freddy's for Nick or <laughs> this month. All right, uh, there we go, guys. That was our discussion on the killer. A five from Nick. Wow, such disrespect, and a nine from me, which puts it at a seven overall from the peas cumulatively. So, Nick, we wrap up every episode. We head over to the uh, fan group and see what the fans had to say. We got some questions over there in the comments section. All right. Uh, Nick, so do you want to go first, buddy? You want to grab a question out of the comments section there, or would you like me to grab one? Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm going to I'm gonna go first. I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab All right. Do me a favor. Don't do that thing where you like list all the questions, and then you answer all of them, because then I don't have anything to choose from. But go ahead. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> <laughs> destruction in human form mr jared taylor love you brother uh yes. it says what do you find to be most fi- uh fincher's most overrated and underrated film mm. underrated is an interesting question i feel like i i feel like i don't know if he's got anything that's necessarily super underrated i mean i i almost want to say gone girl but i think a lot of people think really highly of gone girl so i don't even necessarily think that about it but i only picked this question just so i can say once again for the millionth time how bad zodiac is i hate it it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen i don't understand how people even remotely find it entertaining or engaging or interesting to watch it's terrible it's so bad come on it's so bad it's how do you like a three-hour movie in which nothing happens it's yeah, three it's hours long. Procedural. It's like endlessly long. It's it's terrible. <laughs> I just hate it. That is by far Fincher's most overrated movie. Uh, I don't know. What else? I'm thinking of the rest of Fincher's filmography. I've seen most. It's like it's not like mo- it's some directors. I haven't seen a lot of them. I've seen most of the films he's done, and I just – what would you say would be underrated? I would say his most underrated might be The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Because I don't, I don't think that gets enough. I don't think that gets enough love. I would I think, rather watch this than watch that again. Like that was. I mean, me too. But I, I'm saying, in terms of his catalog, I think it might be the most. People don't talk about it when they talk about Fincher, and I think it's it's a really beautiful film. It really the is. Look into that movie where they had to, like the character 
in was it Kate Blanchett's character like in the hospital after like Hurricane Katrina like mm-hmm. that was like what I like to refer to as like head over the like sledgehammer to the head type of filmmaking where it's sure, like do you yeah. get my point do you get my point and like where they're beating it into your head over and over because they want to make sure you got their point I also, hate filmmaking like that it like that really drove the score of that film down for me also love Panic Room and people don't talk I've never about seen that Panic Room I think the only Fincher I've never seen but I love I that think, one too Hang on. Now I got to look at his filmography. Now I got to now I got to look and see if I'm missing anything. Okay. I've never seen the game either. Uh, I've never seen the game. Or mm, Alien 3. One. So I have I have missed out on I have missed out on a few of them. Uh, I would mm. guess so runner up for runner up from Zodiac on the overrated category would be Fight Club even though I do really like Fight Club. Fight Club is one of those movies like Boondock Saints where Mm-hmm. People became so like slavishly devoted to it where it became like a religion to them mm-hmm. where it got really, really aggravating and it kind of dragged down the quality of Fight Club. Like on a rewatch, like I can't rewatch it without thinking about that, which I know is the, the baggage I'm carrying into the film and not the film's fault. Speaking of right. overrated Fincher, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, 7.8 on IMDb. How? Oh, dude, I love that movie. I it's bafflingly it. bad. How do you no, like these I movies that it. are endlessly long? I love you it. are the king, right. the absolute king of I hate long <laughs> movies. And yet you love these Fincher yeah. movies that are endless, endless. So I, this is going to be a hard one for me. Dan might have to edit around this. I apologize, Danny boy. But our buddy Jason Nergevert, patron of the show, he wants us to recast the killer with a different actor in the lead role and a different band or group on his iPad or iPod. But, you know, because obviously in this one, Fastbender's listening to the Smiths the whole time. Yep. So I just thought of this really... <laughs> now, hear me out, okay? Nick, I can't wait to see your face. Let me go back to the camera. God, this no. is, Now, Jason, I'm going to give my... This is what I thought of, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you're on a, if you're a video audience, I'm going to turn the camera to Nick... When I say it, I thought of Adam Sandler and he's listening to the catalog of Poison, the rock band <laughs> from the 90s. Poison. <laughs> oh, my God. Did I nail it or what? I mean, could you imagine I'm, Adam I'm, Sandler I'm, as an assassin listening to Nothing But a Good Time and Unskinny Bop? I mean, come on. That's not bad. Yeah. What do you get? Do you have anything? Man, I, I'm 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 gonna gender bend the role. I'm gonna throw Jessica Chastain in there. I mean, because Jessica Chastain as a stone cold assassin would be yeah. the greatest movie of all time. Come yeah. come come kill me, mommy. Uh, yeah. but I'm struggling, I'm struggling on I'm struggling on the music. What I kind would of like, listen to? I kind of like you going in that kind of direction of like a like an 80s. So let's do let's throw in a Bon Jovi or something like that. Yeah, I can see like her a, doing that. Like a Bon Jovi or something like that. Yeah, that's, I can uh, see her doing that. I'll take that. Uh, I'll take S- that. Slippery when wet, am I right? I promise I won't make this a habit, but I have to insert myself here and say that I would play Michael Fassbender's role, and the band would, of course, be Blink-182. Uh, there you go, guys. Thank you guys for the comments in the comments section this week. Thank and. You. Man, God, I love The Killers. in my top 10 of the year right now. Nick, not as high on it, but it is uh, streaming on Netflix if you don't have it in your city. So if you're into David Fincher, if you love those kind of like thriller, gritty dramas, then give it a go. It's on Netflix right now as we speak. Nick, I got to pull this up, man. I got to do the, let me go to Google and do the, I got to pull up the wheel here. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is two hours and 40 minutes of Daniel Craig being bored. How on earth do you rate that movie? It's so bad. I hate you so much. I hate, I hate long movies. Why is this movie so long? Also loves endlessly long Fincher movies. All right, guys. So this week in lieu of going to see the holdovers, because it's not playing in all markets. And by that, I mean my own. I'd have to drive an hour to see it this week, and that's going to be tough to do with the holidays and work and everything. So we're going to spin the wheel. This is kind of improv. We didn't know we were going to be doing that this week, but we are going to spin the roulette wheel. Now, just so everyone knows, Nick, if it lands on him, he can pick a movie for us to review next week. If it lands on me, I can pick one. 
But if it lands on the patrons, we put all of the patron picks into a wheel and we spin that thing. And then we see what movie we land on uh, selected by one of our patrons. If you'd like to get in on that action, for as little as $1, you can be a patron of the show and you can throw a movie at us to review at least like once a month or so. Yep. So go uh, to the Patreon link below and check that out. Nick, are you ready, brother? I'm going to go over here and I'm going to spin this wheel and see what we land on, man. I'm ready. Let's do it. Where the hell is the spin button? Oh, here it is. All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm going to count us down. I'm going to count us down. I'm going to hit spin. Three, two, one. There it goes. If this lands on Nick, it is fixed. Oh, my God. No. Oh! Did you see how close uh, video, that was? Video, video audience. I, I you, please, he looks like he looks you, like a priest in some kind of a weird sex cult, right? Did you see like how that, close that, that photo? Was? That would be like the headshot photo of like yeah. him, like God, that, when he gets arrested or like when they have the news report thing. about him. Oh man, that is so good. Look man. at that thing. Oh. Let, all right, give me a second. I'm gonna let everybody screenshot this so they can make it their wallpaper on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> Look how close that was. That was oh like a razor thin, razor thin. All right, Nick, I'm going to pick my, as we're, as I'm looking at my letterbox 250 right now, it's my number three film of all time. All right. Unforgiven directed by Clint Eastwood from don't 1991. Two out of 10 from, uh, from last week to bring, don't to come back fucking, next week. <laughs> don't you do this to me. Don't you do this to me. Unforgiven from Clint Eastwood from 91 is uh, one of my favorite films of all time. I'll have a little story about it when we review it, but there you go. Are you a Clint fan or do you like Clint Eastwood? Do you like Westerns? Yes. Okay. Right. I'm enough of, I'm, I'm enough of a fan of, of, uh, of Clint Eastwood to, to be anticipating. It's a blind spot for me. I've never, I've seen a lot more of his like more like really recent stuff, like the stuff that yeah. he's made, like, in his like late nineties, what is he like a hundred and twenty now? Yeah, he's pretty God, old. He's old. Uh, he but yeah, like I've old. seen, I've seen like like uh, what was it? What was it? Like Gran Torino? Like Gran Torino Gran was Turismo? Like, yes. Gran, no, Gran Torino, not Gran Turismo. <laughs> he, was, he was not in Gran Turismo. Was he Carol. in Gran Turismo? Man, he was really flying around that track. He was in the stands, just like shouting at the kids, you know, <laughs> driving their fast cars. In he was on the pit crew. Yeah. That's why they yeah, took yeah, a while yeah, to yeah. get her out of the, out of the pits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll do uh, we'll do Gran Turismo next week. No, I'm just kidding. We'll do Unforgiven, directed Man. by Mr. Clint Eastwood, starring Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman. Right. Like I said, it's one of my favorites of all time, and I'm excited that it's a blind spot for you, so we'll get to see what you think about it. going to warm all up right. that 2 out of 10. Here we go. Oh, God. Don't don't you do it to me. I, I can't take it if you do. I'm so excited to rewatch that, too. It's been about a week since I've seen it, so I need to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll get together then, Nicholas, and uh, my birthday's coming up, so please be kind to Unforgiven. My birthday's mm. on when, when this when this episode comes out, it's my birthday. Did you know that? David Fincher movie on my birthday. Wow. And you gave it a five. And this and this was the best present you could find for, for that. Unbelievable. Just, I mean, that's, that is shocking, yeah. Shocking. All right, man. I love you. I'll, uh, we'll get together next week, and we will do the Gerald Selected. I was going to say Patron Selected, but the Gerald Selected Unforgiven. Until then, guys, everybody take care. Peace. Peace.